welcome back to Feedback Loop. I'm Jeremy. I'm Joey. And this is a podcast where we talk about music and discover new music and, and share music with each other, but also with you guys. Uh, this week, I shared an album with Joey. Uh, that album is called Point Five: The Gray Chapter by Slipknot. Ha! Or, or to Slipknot, if you... Yeah. If you know how to talk. If you know how to talk, (laughs) you understand that the K is silent. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're a foreigner listening and you didn't realize that the the K was silent, then that's true. I guess I shouldn't be such assholes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's this this album I picked because it's it's getting it's spooky time, y'all. It's (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I never say y'all, but it's it's late October, uh, when we're recording this, we're recording this on the 26th Halloween's this weekend, uh, or this coming weekend, I should say. And this album has a very like fall and like Halloweeny feel to me, probably because I think this album, Oh yeah, this album did release. We, we talked about this last week. I think this <laughs> album released, uh, like six years ago, either today or from tomorrow or from last week. I, don't know. I think it was from last Wednesday because it was like a day Wednesday. after we recorded or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like the twenty third, whatever day that was. Whatever. This album's six years old. It came <laughs> out in October. It's not totally relevant information, but it, it has the feeling to me of this kind of not really nostalgia, but it it always feels like a fall kind of Halloweeny album to me. Yeah. Uh, because of that. So that's why I picked it. It's a it's a good album. I really like it. This is my favorite Slipknot album, and uh, oh. I'll I'll go into reasons why. Uh, not that I have anything wrong with older Slipknot or new 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 Slipknot. New new. But uh, this album in particular stands out in their discography to me, and it, it just it feels good. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the album art of this album is it's pretty simple. It's uh, a woman. I can't tell if she has body paint on or if it's like a, a costume. I think it's like a morph suit with a face mask or something. Yeah, so she she's standing in front of like a, a wooden fence with like white paint splattered on it. It kind of looks old. Like the the paint's not like actually like covering the full fence. It's just kind of like tossed on it, like like it had been eroded over time, kind of a yeah. thing. Like an old uh, barn that was painted white or something. Yeah. And she's got her arms spread out to her side, kind of T-posing a little bit, but she got her hip to the side and her, her legs kind of kind of bowing in a little bit. And she's wearing this skeleton morph suit kind of deal with a, a skull mask, kind of giving the appearance that she is a skeleton standing up in front of this, uh, this wooden wall or fence. Well, I mean, I guess that's perfect for Halloween because that looks like... If I were yeah. to do a pose out somewhere <laughs> in my costume, yeah, it would, yeah. I would I'm exactly honestly not like convinced. That. I'm not convinced that that's not you on the album. So. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I could have gone missing for a good amount of time in 2014, and you wouldn't have been wiser. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, I guess that's not I true. Like, I feel no. like I would notice if you if you went missing <laughs> at, any, at any point in the last like I don't know six years. Six years. 20, Wait, 20. I get more. We've known each other long. We've been we've been friends since like for like eight years now, right? Ish. Yeah, twenty late twenty twelve is whenever uh, the fates collided. I mean, I guess technically we knew each other. Well, or sure. we we knew of each other longer. Like <laughs> I was aware of your existence right. as as that guy at the lunch table across that, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> the guy like, hey, in German that, class. That's that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's that guy. 
we are already eating up too much time on this, Joey. Take us into the first track. Well, you know what's also eating up a lot of stuff? A 19-year-old. But oh. you know how you write 19 in Roman numerals? I do, actually. <laughs> it, it is X-I-X. Boom. That's the first track. Yeah, it's it, on, it looks a little bit like six, almost. Like whenever I look at it, I want to read it as six, but it's not because it's X I X. But yeah, did you did you look into this at all? It's actually pronounced X X. Oh, well, no, I guess I didn't look into it at all. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess this is from Corey Taylor, the singer Slipknot himself. Uh, he he says it's pronounced X X, and it represents that it's it's the band's nineteenth year, but it also mirrors the track five one five from Iowa and uh, so 515 in Roman numerals doubled would be X I X kind of a deal yeah. kind of a thing. So there, there's some like, there's a couple layers to the, the X X and the X I X and, and whatnot. So I'm not sure if you're wrong for calling it X I X because you said that, that this is like the 19th year of the band existing, but uh, there, there are some other connections there. That's super cool because little tidbit of information, Iowa, is my favorite Slipknot album. I mean, I my, the favorite one that I've heard. So right, just a, just a up other. until this point, right, Joey? How do you feel about track number one, which is XIX? I actually really like it, like a lot, because yeah. going into this, I knew it was the album right after their bassist Paul Gray had died. Joey Jordanson had not. I, I guess he went out and said that he didn't leave. Like he he didn't leave. I guess he got kicked out of the band or yeah. something. But yeah. I st- I don't know what was going on <laughs> with that. But like this was just really weird times for Slipknot. And this song it just immediately starts off with like some creepy dude saying this song is not for the living. This song is for the dead. And I think I read that it was Sean. Yeah. And uh, he's he's one of the percussionists. Yep, he's also like one of the, the lead songwriters, I think, for Slipknot, technically. As well. Yeah, I was seeing his name pop up on a lot of songwriting credits for this, and it's cool, because, I mean, I didn't know that. But... Yeah, he's just a dude that likes banging drums and writing <laughs> <Yeah>. songs. <laughs> yep, and he's good at it. because Yeah, and, and to be clear, for everyone who who's not really aware, there are nine members that make up the band Slipknot. Yeah. Uh, it's So, losing two members is... Would, would be a huge deal for a lot of bands, but, uh, and, and it, it was a huge deal for this band as well, Yeah, but it's losing two of nine total members instead of two of four kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Uh, where they have, they have like a rhythm guitarist, they have a lead guitarist, they have a bassist, they have the singer, they have a DJ, they have a drummer, they have two like alternate percussionists. Yeah. Two, they, got, they got all sorts of shit going on. Two hype men running around banging, <laughs> yeah, on, banging shit. on shit. <laughs> banging on barrels and, and shooting flamethrowers. And, and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking, it's chaos. I would recommend going to see Slipknot if you haven't. Yeah. But, uh, that's just to kind of give context if you're not aware of who Slipknot is. Yeah. But, this song, it starts off, it's got a very, like, funeral marchy vibe. There's, like, kind of like bagpipes or organs or something going on. It's very ambient. Yeah. And, I mean, you instantly are just kind of sucked into that feeling. And, I mean, the album's called Point Five, The Grey Chapters. So, I mean, it kind of seems like it's going to be... A, a few songs are going to be at least tributed to Paul on this album. Yeah. So, it's going to be a very somber tone throughout the album. And this kicks that off really well i think i i really like it 
yeah, I, I don't know if we explicitly said it, but Paul Gray, yeah, Paul was, Gray was the bassist of Slipknot. He died of an overdose uh, after their prior album, mm-hmm. and this is their first album since he died. So this album, I believe, is like dedicated to him and his memory. And there are several songs that kind of touch on him as a person and and how they kind of grieve yeah. his his death, I guess. But I like Corey's Corey Taylor, the lead vocalist. I like his kind of standalone vocals because I mean there's not much musically going on other than the ambience and the kind of droning organ or bagpipe but it's like he's got a very kind of gruff natural singing voice yeah I'd say and it just fits really well I like it I mean I of course I like it I like Slipknot (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah it just sounds cool yeah there's there's like a lot of like layers I think of subtle spooky effects yeah. in this track where there's like some rattling percussion that kind of like evokes the imagery of like bones or like sticks kind of being rattled together and then there's this bagpipe thing coming out with the melody and the last few notes of that melody are matched with like a glockenspiel kind of like a ting ting yeah which just kind of gives it this kind of eerie kind of kind of cold feel to it that i it, it really complements Corey's voice i think cold is a good adjective there are a lot of times on this album that feel cold like you're in a graveyard or something. Yeah, which I, I think is what they were going for. Yeah. And I think, or at least Sean, specifically Sean Clown, the, the guy that we mentioned earlier, yeah. is one of the guys that run around and hype people up, <laughs> uh, being a, 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 a very big creative force on this album specifically, I think. He wrote a lot of the more ambient and eerie sounding tracks. I want to hear just an album of his stuff. like For sure. <laughs> I want I want him to just make an album. Yeah, I'd be down to listen to that. This 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 track is the perfect, I think, intro track to this album. I love this album, and I think this track is like a very apt way to kind of bring in the full album because, like you said, it's pretty ambient. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of a lot of sound effects, and it it kind of like I don't know, it it just kind of eases you into the, it introduces you to the, this kind of general feeling of of unease and coldness that that we've been talking about. Man, uh, so the next song title is not an actual word, so it's a, a portmanteau, if you will. Yeah, but I, I, I think it's I don't know if it's supposed to be sarcasm and catastrophe or like yeah, that, that's what that's what I got out of it, but I don't okay. know. I don't that's know what, what actually is. That's what I would think, but then there's part of me that's like sarcophagus. Or or sarcoma, sarcoma, you know, cancer. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it could be like five. It's called sarcastrophe. Is yeah the name of the song that I couldn't figure out a way to to segue into. But it's track number two, sarcastrophe. And <laughs> yeah. uh, this like, I don't know. I I think I said this too much in my notes, so I'm not gonna like say it every time I wrote it down. But at least the intro to this, I definitely would not have expected this intro from Slipknot, like the Slipknot that I remember. Right. It's like a, a lonely kind of guitar keeping with the ambient sound. And I just, I I like the change. You said that they were trying to kind of change up their sound a little bit on this album and you can definitely hear it. And I think it's a, for the better, at least from definitely from all hope is gone. Cause all hope yeah. is gone. I mean, like it was a fine album, I guess, <laughs> but it, like having it, it, it was a pretty commercial sounding album and it wasn't like 
don't know. It wasn't the old Slipknot that we like. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. And they're def- like later in the song, after kind of the lonely ambient guitar intro comes, like has its time, it kind of kicks back into an older sounding Slipknot right. style. I, I mean, there's a little more kind of like electrical turntable DJ sounds than I remember, at least on like... Iowa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on, on Iowa. <laughs> let's let's and, just be real. You're going to compare this album to Iowa, and I'm going to compare this album to their, their first album because those are the albums that we we gravitate yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's unfair to say more than Old Slipknot because their first album did have a, a lot a of... Lot. Yeah. Had, so it's even more back to the basics for Slipknot than, than I give it credit for. But uh, at least from their past few albums, it's more the kind of electrical turntable-y sounds. Than yeah, I, it's, it's got the, the aggressive guitars and the drums and everything that, that Slipknot has, is known for mm-hmm. and is known to have. But in, in my opinion, it, in this album, it kind of takes that and it matures it a bit. Yeah. Like we've mentioned, Paul Gray is no longer living and Joey Jordison got kicked out of the band. So the drums are definitely different. And I, I think I actually prefer Jay Weinberg's drumming for this music, maybe just because this album kind of went in a different direction. Yeah. Not saying that Joey couldn't have done it better, but it, it's 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 still Slipknot, yeah. but it, it, it feels more evolved. It feels like a natural kind of evolution in a great way, like you said, going away from All Hope Is Gone, which in <laughs> both of our opinions is not their best work. Yeah. Uh, but kind of, kind of bringing it in a, in a new light and a new direction for the better. Yeah. And... I think all hope, like, not to say that I don't in any way care for all hope is. We're not talking about all hope is gone. Don't <laughs> don't discount the album. I guess is what the gist of what I was gonna say. But yeah, yeah. It, don't go into it expecting quote unquote true Slipknot or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 have the same expect. Don't expect all hope is gone to match Iowa or this album. Yeah, because they're they're different. Yeah, very different. (laughs) (laughs) The the lyrics on this one, uh, I realize we didn't actually talk about the lyrics on the first track, but I'm not going to go back to it. It's it's the past. Fuck that song. We're moving on. (laughs) Uh, The lyrics on this one, uh, they're kind of like a typical edgy Slipknot song kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, This one, it it seems like he's pretty much just talking shit about anyone doubting that they can continue on as a band after the rough times that they've had with Paul's death. Like we said, this whole album is pretty much them grieving and mourning uh paul's death but i really like there's a line that he says that is kind of foreshadowing the negative one yeah and he, he says when it's done it's done plus negative one and he kind of goes on from there but the negative one was the the lead single for this album and it comes in towards the end yeah so i just thought that was kind of a cool cool touch yeah definitely because uh I don't, I don't, there's so many references, like, before I got to the negative one, because I hadn't really heard, I actually had heard one song off of this album, I lied. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, I think I know which one it is. Yeah, I hadn't heard ne- the negative one, so I was like, I, I know he wouldn't be saying anything negative about Paul. Is, right. is, is, is this something about, like, Joey? Or, like, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's some controversy around that. I've read because I've I've tried to read up what the songs mean to the band, mm-hmm. and it seems like I don't know if it's a PR thing or what, but it seems like yeah. they're pretty much <laughs> just like no, none of the songs are about that, none of them at all. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that later when we get to the negative one. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think. Yeah, but but yeah, 
this one it's not it's not totally clear who he, who he's talking about but yeah. I, I i as i said i think it's pretty much just him saying like we're gonna get through this shit like fuck you guys for for thinking the band's gonna end because we're short a member or two like, yeah. we're just gonna keep going yeah and it definitely like this song i like kind of the perspective it comes from because even before losing paul they went through a lot of shit yeah. as a band like which which is why you enjoy iowa and that's why yeah. iowa is is like the fan favorite or i guess the, the quote the true fan yeah. favorite is iowa because there's so much grief and anguish in that album Dude, it's yeah it's 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 intense and this i like the intensity in this is the the thing like i feel like they're bringing it back and i hate to say it because uh they lost a great friend and that yeah. caused this these these feelings that caused this album but i mean mm-hmm. it just produces a very raw real. sound yeah like yeah. real raw sounding music that i really gravitate towards i agree and if anyone disagrees with me then I'm going to start getting real, real angry. I'm going to get real violent. And honestly, I might even approach original violence. Original violence, like the first murder, like Cain and Abel. Is that like what Cain and Abel. I'm so glad you went there. Track three is AOV. Uh, because I was looking on Genius for this track, for, for AOV, and uh, people were, were not picking up on that. People seem to be associating the original violence that he's referring to uh, AOV stands for Approaching Original Violence, by the way. But uh, people were attributing that to, like, going back to the rawness and the anger of their first few albums. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's okay if, if maybe that's what they wanted, but I always got that, the original, the Cain and Abel thing. So yeah. I'm, I just feel fucking satisfied that you also <laughs> thought that way. Well, of course, man. Because uh, I'm, I'm one of those, was raised in a religious environment right uh, whenever you hear the word original violence or biblical violence you instantly think about yeah like (laughs) yeah so maybe it's just because of where we were raised that we both went there but like i don't know i i think there's a lot on this album they use a lot of like religious uh theming and and they they bring up hell and and devils and stuff a lot so like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think it's a stretch to to say that it's singing about cain and abel yeah uh, which in the Bible is in Genesis about uh, the ultimate betrayal kind of a deal. And uh, just, we're going to, we'll go back to the music, but since we're already <laughs> talking about it, I, I went a little bit in depth on the lyrics on this one mm-hmm. and kind of broke down the first bit of the song. So he says in the first verse, so far it occurs to me that everybody in the world is afraid of me. Just one more sin and down we go. But the news is out and I think I'm going to kill myself or fuck myself, or tell myself about the only thing that matters now. So that seems to me that Corey's talking about someone that's been spreading rumors about him, or at the very least telling others about things he said or he did in private, and now that it's out in the world, he doesn't really know how to handle it, because he's been betrayed by this person. Yeah. He follows that up, he says, We bury what we fear the most, approaching original violence, is the silence where you hide it, because I don't recognize you anymore which the first line saying we bury what we fear the most is also alluded to. And what I said earlier, where he says everybody in the world is afraid of me, but it implies that whoever is doing this to him is doing so out of fear. The person doesn't say anything to Corey's face when asked about it and just kind of like remain silent. And they, they, they act like they're still friends and Corey doesn't really like appreciate that. He doesn't really know who the person is anymore. And then the last bit of lyrics that I, that I broke down and called out 
He says, to each his own, life can do with one less watered-down excuse. If this is over, you can just tell me it's no use. Just tell me it's over. Uh, which kind of seems like he's seeking some sort of closure in this, just saying like, hey, look, stop pretending to be someone you're not. Stop lying to my face and just tell me, like, to my face, be be, be a man kind of a deal. Yeah. Instead of just sneaking around and telling everyone else, just fucking come to me with your problems so I can move on and accept that you're a shitty person. Kind of a yeah. Deal. And that's definitely followed on, followed up with, like, there's other lyrics. Put on your face and show me why behind the scenes we had to simply comply. Like, put the right. just the words put on your face seem to be, like, Somebody, yeah, putting on a facade. Thanks. I couldn't think of, <laughs> could not think of that <laughs> word. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. This song, it's it's very angry, and I can understand. Maybe if there's some sort of tie-in between like Cain and Abel, and maybe not necessarily original violence, as in the angriness of the band's early years, but just like kind of maybe the personal demons that they all had to begin mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Maybe because I don't, I never understood the kind of the angle people had about talking about their earlier music, but I can kind of see them because it seems like in stories that I've read about them, there were betrayals in the band or there were like, some people were keeping the band from moving forward because of right. addiction or they just had apathy towards the music industry or what they were doing. And it's kind of seems like they're approaching maybe those, those types of thoughts, but from a new perspective, now that they've kind of sobered up, got at least a, like closer than they were, but yeah, I don't know. And they, they touch on that a few times in this album, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I again, I think I, I saved most of that for like later in my notes, not not explicitly calling out Joey Jordison this early, <laughs> but, but it, it seems like a, a lot of this album is kind of directed at him or directed yeah. at, at at least what he did to the band or or what Corey was feeling from him or for yeah. him, I guess. Uh, but yeah, the music in this one, like it just goes straight from the fucking start. Yeah, it's got that. It, it's it's Slipknot. I mean, it feels good <laughs> in my opinion. The, the drums on this track are fucking perfect. It's yes. got a lot of energy when it needs to be there, but it also backs off when it doesn't need to, to draw the attention. The chorus is a bit kind of of the, the more commercial, like psychosocial stuff mm-hmm. with like the layered clean vocals, but it still kind of feels different, maybe just due to the context of the album. Uh, the bridge that comes in around three minutes is just like really lovely, dark, spacey music. Yeah. It's still got some distorted guitar, but it's not nearly as aggressive and the drums are echoey and distant. And there's like some piano and it just kind of like feels very reflective. And then it just comes right back in with the next verse. And it's just, it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I, I very much like Corey's kind of growled wrapped, I guess, vocals. Yeah. <laughs> that he has. Uh, it's, it's so good. It is. And yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> Jeremy showed me Corey Taylor's uh, solo stuff. <laughs> So whenever I said something about Corey Taylor rapping, <laughs> it brought me back to that. But I do like the way he does it in Slipknot. So, uh, but yeah, the drums, I was very surprised because I was not necessarily in Joey's camp due to who he is as a person, but I just right. very much liked his drumming. And I thought 
might fit really well for Slipknot. Yeah. This, a lot of instances on this album proved me wrong. And there's a lot of instances on later songs where the alternate percussionists really <laughs> stepped it up and oh, yeah. I think made a lot of the songs better in ways that I hadn't really noticed that they could before. Yeah, I, I feel that 1000% on this album. Like a lot of the added. Uh, I don't I don't remember if it was as much in this song specifically, mm-hmm. but a lot of the the, the uh, miscellaneous additional percussion just yeah. like really really makes certain bits pop yeah. in later songs. And like you you would think having nine members in a band is going <laughs> to oversaturate or there's going to be a lot of like competing creative differences and stuff, but they fucking nail it. Yeah, somehow, somehow it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they. I yeah, take it away, please. <laughs> I was about to say I give up because there was that, that awkward pause where I couldn't think of anything. Maybe they somehow all made a pact and now with the dark one and now they all have a little bit of the devil in them. They and know. if one of them were to talk about it, they would say <laughs> it comes from the devil in, in I. <laughs> in I, because that's grammar. <laughs> Track number four is the devil and i this was another one of the big singles and i'm assuming this is the song that you heard from this album yeah i'm pretty sure you played this one on rock band at one point yeah i I do have it on rock band it's it's a fun it's fun one to sing it's fun i I like it generally like i know there's this the stigma that like oh at least in music snobbery that like oh the singles are just like radio hits they're not good songs yeah this song's fucking awesome i love it it really is like I 100% agree, especially when it comes to metal. Like a lot of people have that attitude with like, yes. oh, the single off the album, like that's the commercial, or whatever. And it's like, no, right. <laughs> this is. It's got like the it's got the melodic parts and the chorus that are really cool. The haunting sound whenever kind of everything drops out during the verses, and it's like yeah. kind of damp sounding, almost like cold yeah. and like you're outside in some sort of. It's it's weird. almost like tribal. <laughs> yeah, like it's just. I don't know. Like, it's just kind of creepy. It adds to the fullness of this album. And then during the bridge, they have those, like, the triplet chugs that I haven't listened mm-hmm. to metal in a long time, actually. Like, I mean, well, welcome I, back. Yeah, I know. It's nice to come back. But, like, I forgot how good and just how nice that feels to just kind of, like, not full on. I, I'm not, like, a full on headbanger anymore because I don't have hair anymore. I don't have long hair. <laughs> but, like, to just kind of go with it whenever it's like like yeah uh, it's just uh it's it's a great galloping fun fun rhythm i just ugh. it's just nice there's a lot of rhythm in this song like and in all of slipknot's music i mean they have two additional percussionists like yeah. the rhythm is a very like big part of it and it's a big part of metal in general like the the, the low the low e gallop you know yeah. it's a big thing in a lot of and a lot of metal because it just fucking feels good and it's yeah, awesome, it does. especially when it's backed by some sick bass drum, bro. Yeah, <laughs> gotta get all those double, those fucking blast beats. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but yeah, so this one lyrically, I, I didn't put as much. Uh, I, I stopped putting a lot of analysis into to breaking down each of the songs at this point. But uh, it, it seemed to me that this one was Corey talking about someone blaming him for all of their problems yeah. when in reality they kind of need to like look inward and realize that, that they are the devil in themselves and, and they can't be blaming everyone else for their problems. Yeah. I got pretty much that like they were using him kind of as a scapegoat or whatever, just because of the troubles that he's had in the past, I guess Yeah, that cause there were times in the band history where he was an issue, but yeah, for sure. It, 
it's past that now and kind of keeping other people trying to keep him in that spot in his life, I guess, and keep confine him to that time in his life produces a lot of anger in Mr. Corey Taylor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Understandably so. And I think he touches on that a lot in this album is, is this perception of who he is versus who he actually is and, Mm -hmm. and kind of him coming to terms with other people thinking that, and even at some points later in the album where he's kind of like seeing it in himself kind of a thing and, yeah. and recognizing that kind of a deal. But uh, at, at the very least, he makes great metal music and at some point, maybe he hopes to kill pop with it. Yeah. He, he definitely wants to kill pop. I think maybe, I don't know, man, that song with tech nine and <laughs> no, I guess that's, that's yeah. not pop, though. That, that's not Slipknot. We're not yeah. talking about that. We're, we're not discussing Corey motherfucking Taylor right now. We're talking about track five, which is yeah. Kill Pop. Yeah, Kill Pop. Because that that's like the most metal name that you could possibly <laughs> give a song. Because it's like, yeah, we're going to kill the pop, man. But <laughs> it works for this song because it's not really talking about pop music. Or oh, is it? I mean, I guess kind of in a way, in a roundabout <laughs> way. But yeah. uh, I'll, I'll start with the with the music. We'll get to the we'll get to the lyrics in a second. But uh, the percussion, this song has some of like I don't know. I feel like the drums and the percussion carry this song. Not yeah. that I necessarily don't really like the rest of the song, but it's just like. Somehow the drums and the alternate percussion, the random bangs and booms <laughs> yeah. are at the forefront of this song. For sure. And and it's like, it, it's, it's not overly aggressive mm-hmm. either. It, it's like they, they use it to accent things and they accent them in, in a very like nice way where it's, it's there for the moment and then it's just kind of gone. And then you, you like, it, it sounds like a regular song and then bam, it's back. So it, it just like, it's another texture yeah. kind of a deal. And they use it very well. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, he, uh, Corey Taylor kind of has a gruff, natural singing voice, I would mm-hmm. say, but uh, I don't know. I like, I like it and he can clean it up. Like there's parts on this song where it's like pretty clean. Yeah. But then obviously whenever he goes, I guess to the, like a little bit before each chorus, I guess the pre-chorus is what you would call it. Sure. And he kind of starts growling again whenever he's, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the lyrics because it's, yeah. uh, he's talking about seemingly about a, a woman that he is very much infatuated with or mm-hmm. like is beyond in love with is what I'm trying to get at. Like it's an obsession or like a devotion to, but like a in a love hate way like there's right. a there's a lot of this theme in music i guess written by Corey taylor or in slipknot that it's like you you love so someone or something so much that you want to like destroy it or that it just it's just you can't exist with it in the same universe as yourself so you have to like it's you're gonna destroy each other yeah, specifically on, on their track Vermilion yeah. from, from Volume 3. Uh, I know I, someone else called that out on the Genius page, but like Vermilion is one of my favorite Slipknot songs, especially from that era. It, it, it's just got a, it has a good feel, and Vermilion Part 2, which it, it has a very similar feel lyrically 
to, to this one. Yeah. And uh, this one, from what I read, is directed at the music industry and its relationship, like as an artist, it's their relationship with the music industry and kind of, I don't know how they've been played by the music industry, but how, I mean, it seems like just an abusive, toxic relationship. Yeah. Personified. It, it, it like, it starts off with him thinking that, that this woman is beautiful and dark. And then you realize that she's, she's like depressed and vulnerable. And that kind of evolves into him trying to take advantage of her, but then also maybe realizing that it was a trap and that yeah. she's playing him the whole time where she is the, the music industry. And so he, he kind of feels that like he, he was, he was feeling good about it at the beginning. He was kind of like trying to make his moves and make things happen. And then he realized that he's kind of trapped in this situation where everyone is just kind of preying on him and, and circling him and, and stealing from him. Kind of. Yeah. Cause uh, I don't remember what the deal was, but I remember reading about their very first deal as a band and who boy did they get fucked (laughs) (laughs) as many first bands contracts uh, do yeah i think they signed like a super long like seven album deal and didn't make jack shit or something i mean i'm sure i think they ended up getting out of it is obviously i don't even think they've released seven out have they released seven albums um well this is their fifth they've released six six now yeah so uh, full studio length albums anyways there have been some compilations and stuff but but I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works uh, contractually. Yeah, I guess me either. So I'm just kind of talking about things. <laughs> it's like, I watched a YouTube video on the history of Slipknot. <laughs> that was the research you did for this. And I actually did it like three or four weeks before you even uh, suggested this album. I was just like, hmm, Slipknot. I haven't listened to them in a while. Watch let's, see, let's read it. Let's listen to someone else explain what happened to them. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if you should trust everything you, you hear on YouTube, though. I think you should be a little bit skeptical of it. Yeah, dude, I'm a huge skeptic, especially when it comes to stuff people are talking about on YouTube with all that ancient alien stuff. I'm skeptical <laughs> as hell. You know who else was uh, pretty notoriously a skeptic? Is it Paul, Paul Gray? It, it was Paul Gray. So they wrote track six, Skeptic, about him. Yeah, this song, yeah, this song is like, even just on first listen to this album, was yeah. just like it's instantly you just know yeah it's 100 a paul gray song about him the whole time i mean down to the chorus where it's just talking about there'll never be another what what is it exactly i don't have the lyrics written i don't down. have it uh, i don't have it either but it says uh there'll, there'll never be an, a man as amazing as you yeah or there'll never be an, a crazy motherfucker like you or something yeah. like that but uh, yeah, it's it's like the song comes in, it fucking punches you with these big pounding drums and this wailing guitar effect that sounds like it's kind of like a siren kind of thing. The verse has some pretty simple like guitar chugging and some simple pounding drums, giving more room for the vocals to take the light. Uh, and then I really like the guitar riff in the chorus. There's a rhythmic break in this this bridge section that's just like, ugh, it's fucking good. I like the feel of this song. Yeah. And pretty much the whole song, they're just he's just kind of describing Paul's character and explaining how they'll keep his spirit alive and not let it be kind of like forgotten. Yeah. And during that bridge part, that's whenever a lot of kind of the alternate percussion comes in. Yes. Where like, there's a lot of like clanging. uh, They got some sampling going on and the guitars that there's kind of like a discordant kind of weird, creepy. It's one of those guitar parts that doesn't sound like it would work if you just, 
like if you went in a guitar center and somebody was playing that, you'd be like, what, what, what's that? Yeah. What the hell's <laughs> happening? But in the context of the song, it works beautifully because it seems like the song kind of transforms halfway, like during that bridge part entirely where, and this is something that they kind of go on with in other songs, but it seems like they're, I mean, obviously very sad about Paul's death, but like reaching yeah. the point of like guilt that they'll get into others, other songs later, ang- a lot of anger and it's, you can hear a lot of that come through. I feel like in the bridge. Yeah, for sure. Cause like, again, Corey Taylor has this, this perfectly rough voice and it's, it's very expressive and he's very good at using it to express his, his kind of grief and his anger. And it mm-hmm. just, it, I, that's why I think something that's super successful. Yeah. Obviously the, the rest of the band is talented as well, but yeah. like without Corey Taylor, it would be a completely different band. Yeah, it definitely would. Cause there's not really any other vocalist I can think of that has a voice like him where it seems like whenever he does his growling and his screaming and his, even his clean vocals, it all sounds kind of effortless, but I guess yeah. I know it's not, but <laughs> it sounds but like it, it is. It's a credit to him that he can make it seem so easy. Yeah. Kind of a deal. Uh, I don't have a great way to segue into track number seven. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say like, black. <laughs> And take off Lech. the <laughs> like, it, it, Track Lech. number seven is Lech, der- deriving presumably from lecherous, yeah. or le- lecherous person. Uh, and uh, it starts off with, I know why Judas wept, motherfucker. A, a lecherous yeah. human being, if you ever knew one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another uh, biblical, 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 another biblical betrayal kind of a deal. Uh, immediately starting the song and Judas, Judas uh, fucking betrayed Jesus as like that was his whole thing that's what he's oh known for oh my god you know what oh my so Corey Taylor his yeah he did a song with a band called Apocalyptica called I'm Not Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> dude and I didn't even make that connection <laughs> so I know why Judas what he's talking now from biblical perspective no wonder so many people think that there's a lot about joey jordanson on this on this album like because i mean when when that's the way the song starts you're like this kind of like i know they say there's not stuff i don't know i mean i know the content of this actual song doesn't necessarily line up with I'd say what I would think it's a a bad song about Joey Jordanson, but like there's a lot of little right. things on here where it seems like he's kind of just throwing in little little jabs. Oh, for sure. Towards him. Yeah, like, this this one like uh, lyrically, anyways. We'll, we'll go back to the music in a second, but it it has that kind of he, he's. I think he's very clearly throwing shade yeah. at Joey. I think there's two two folds to the song where he he feels like he's being betrayed by someone clearly, obviously possibly by paul and that's how he's kind of grieving he's he's feeling like he betrayed paul Mm -hmm. by being alive with the whole like survivor's guilt kind of thing which is touched on later in the album so he feels like he's kind of the asshole in the situation by betraying paul but also he might feel a little bit bad by kicking joey out of the band for being a dick but he he also like he he mentioned survivor's guilt in the first verse so clearly i think that's talking about paul the second and third verses though 
seem a bit more directed at someone and he talk he calls them like selfish and says they're trying to take credit for everything which while, is something while being, like a, a rotten bone inside of him and he, he's trying to like get rid of that so i i, I think this is kind of him dealing with some associated guilt maybe with getting rid of joey but also saying like no fuck that guy yeah it's like i had my reasons but i still feel bad because he was there from the beginning is kind of my thing that i get from this because yeah i don't know like that talking about the selfishness taking credit for everything because like joey jordanson did straight up he was like i wrote a lot of the stuff like and maybe he did write a lot of stuff but there's like proof that he he didn't like write everything, but it seems like he tried to take <laughs> the, credit. The guy definitely had has an ego. Had yeah. an ego. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I can't. Still I shouldn't be talking. Yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't be talking bad about a man that I don't know. But it, yeah. it, it seems that that it's not out of line yeah. to think that this song is kind of directed towards him. Yeah. Other than the touching on uh, feeling bad about, I don't know, feeling like you should be the one gone instead with yeah. Paul. Yeah, those are the two kind of things I got with this. But this one, musically, it started a little something. It didn't quite have a guitar solo, but mm-hmm. it had like a guitar wah section. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of made me think like, hmm, at least on at least on Iowa, there weren't a lot of guitar solos in this little part right here. Like, yeah, that could be cool. I like guitar solos. Yeah, and, there are a couple in this album. Yeah, there are, and I like it. And I'll tell you which one I really like whenever oh, we baby. get there. <laughs> okay, okay. But yeah, otherwise, musically, this, it has like a pretty normal Slipknot kind of deal, but it all kind of washes out, and then there's like a sample of warped guitars that kind of give a nice hollow backdrop for Corey's kind of raving vocals yeah. in it. And then it comes back in when he screams about murdering the world with all the blood he's spilled. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know, There's it's a nice texture where he's like chanting like the fires burn on the summit yeah. shining a light on the ones i've killed like it's it gives it this very creepy feel and yeah. he fucking nails it and i love it there's a lot of lyrics that he has that if somebody else sang them it would sound like one of those like viking metal band lyrics. <laughs> yeah fucking verse two on the song he says i'll eat the skins of my brothers the alabaster bones will make a perfect wall like <laughs> That is yeah. that is Viking metal if I've ever heard it. <laughs> and the way he, but the way he delivers it, he delivers delivers it in like a creepy way because he does it like straight faced almost. He's like, right, I'll eat the skins of my brothers. The alabaster bones will make a perfect. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. whoa, man! Like this is something that I love about Iowa that comes through in this album, where it's like he delivers stuff so believably that you're like, yeah. Did he kill a guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, may- maybe he's really the the cause of death for Paul Gray. I mean, no, I doubt that. Yeah, but, maybe, I don't, yeah, probably I not. Mean, but maybe, you know, maybe I don't know. Corey Taylor's a, he's a crazy guy. <laughs> he sure is, and I think the last thing he wants to do is say goodbye. That, yeah, in fact, I think in this track that we're about to talk about, that is actually one of the things he says. Yeah. Track number eight. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> this one's like it's it's very chill and ambient in the first half of the song. Which it sounds kind of like somber, but also with a little twinge of optimism, perhaps. Yeah. In it, and then after that intro section, the good old Slipknot feel comes in, and it feels <laughs> yeah. like it just carries the weight and the grief of the the whole album on it. And there's some like church bells that really accent the mood, 
And then at the end of it, the song just picks up and it picks up and it picks up and it just goes nuts with the drums and the guitars. And it feels like it's building somewhere because it is, it builds towards and fades into the next track. Yeah. And this song, like I like the build on this song so much because one thing that I like about Corey Taylor's vocals is the fact that, like I said earlier, he can so effortlessly do like the rough growling, screaming vocals and you can hear that really well at the very end of the song because the whole song kind of has a cleaner type of vocals and then on like the very last line which is like a pretty powerful line whenever you're talking about grieving somebody uh he just like with all of his gutturalness screams no one can know what we're feeling so don't even try which i mean to, to that's definitely something if you've ever lost somebody really close to you close to you and other people are like sympathizing with you even though i'm sure at some point in their life they've also lost a person close to you but it's like in that moment you're like literally nobody else could understand the connection i had to this person how i'm how i'm feeling right now so like to try is almost it feels like an insult at times Right, like... that that is one hundred percent the case, and I, I think he he comes to that a couple times on this album. Yeah, it's like because every every relationship between two human beings is so unique, mm-hmm. and and it's, it's 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 something that only those two people understand fully, and so when that connection is severed by you know one of them dying, then the feelings associated with that are also so unique that. Like, even though you may have experienced death, you haven't experienced that death in that way. Yeah. So it, it's kind of hard to, like, it, it's it's pretty fruitless to try to explain that and and to try to try to try to relate. Yeah. Kind of a deal. It's kind of pointless to do because th- it's not going to happen. Yeah, not at all. But, you know, maybe if you just kind of... You wouldn't have to deal with all this death and grief if you just separated yourself from the world and, you know, uh, lived out in the woods, kind of moving from place to place. Sure. Living a type of lifestyle that uh, I can't I can't quite remember the name of that type of lifestyle, Jeremy. But... I'd, I'd say it's kind of like a, a wandering, almost nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, there you go. Nomadic. That seems like a perfectly good, good Song word title. for that. <laughs> Perfectly good song title for track number nine. Uh, track number nine is called Nomadic. I really, really like the guitar riff on this one. Yeah, uh, it, it's coupled with a bunch of like weird effects that their their DJ Sid produces. Uh, which I mean, again, like he, he seems to be a bit more prominent on this album mm-hmm. than in some of the the prior albums, which I, I'm a fan of. I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, the, the chorus on this one kind of weak, in my opinion. The, the verses more than make up for it, though. Yeah. And there, there's a very nice melodic solo towards the end of this track that I love. I do love the solo. <laughs> is this the one that you really loved? This isn't the one that I really, really loved, but I do really like the solo. I just, because it's like the second half of this album just has so many packed in there. Yeah. It's just, it's just nice. It's really actually nice. Because <laughs> I'm definitely one for kind of my re- neck of the woods back whenever I really listened to metal was very much like melodic death mm-hmm. metal, melodic, just all melodic styles of metal. And uh, they all of course come packaged with solos and it's nice to hear that crossover from one band that I liked to another genre that I like. For sure. And I, I think it's kind of like surprising. Like you said, Slipknot hasn't had 
a whole lot of soloing in their past and as such it is kind of weird that like they approached it on this album and they did it well like a lot of them feel right they feel good despite having seemingly no no prior experience on record doing so so i don't know it's kind of it's kind of surprising yeah i'm just so glad to hear it because mick thompson the Mm -hmm. lead guitar player he was one of the guys that like i i saw a video of him very early on into me playing guitar that kind of just blew me away and uh it was just him playing guitar and it was the simplest thing. He was talking about his like practice routine or something and how yeah. he could do like really fast chugging, like just low stuff. That's typical slipknot fashion. And he was like, yeah. So uh, I just started playing master of puppets and I was like, okay, I know how to play master of puppets. I do that all the time. Like, that's cool. And he was like, yeah. So all the chugging parts, uh, I just eventually trained myself till I could do all of that. Just down picking. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what, 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 how? <laughs> yep, that's, and then he did it and he was like, Brr! and I was just, that's I was like, how do you not get like carpal tunnel just from playing that? But it was like, <laughs> I know he has the power to be a great guitar player. And now like not saying that he didn't prove it on other albums, right? but hearing the solos like this, I'm like, okay, he can do this too. It's great to hear that from him. Yeah, it's a different side of them. And again, this album is kind of an evolution for the band. It's a change in their sound. So maybe that kind of gave him the, the courage to kind of like speak out and say, you know what? I want a fucking guitar solo. I want to I want to try and mix things up with my personal sound and, and yeah. try to evolve as a guitarist kind of a deal. Yeah. Uh, lyrics wise, this song, from what I can gather and from what I have read, from what Corey has said, because it seems like he's just like super open about what the, what the songs. Yeah, are there were a lot mean. of, a lot of the, uh, on genius, a lot of the, like, here's what the artist said kind of a deal. Yeah. Like which, every song on this album, which I tried not to lean on to make yeah. my own interpretations, but it's also interesting to hear what he actually has to say. Yeah. My interpretation was just, it seemed like being unable to let out how he actually felt or being, I guess kind of pigeonholed into people thinking that he should be reacting a certain way or that he should be doing something a certain way, which is a theme that's on other songs. Uh, but what he said it was about is, which is something I can see in the song is like talking about being a guy or like a tough guy, like somebody who's stereotypically a tough guy. And it's like, no, you can't cry. You can't, express your emotions in this way you can't do this which inevitably leads to the anger and the hatred that you kind of hear a lot of and it's like if you can't allow sadness to come out naturally it will definitely come out in worse ways yeah and i i I agree this one was kind of like dense and hard to to break down to get some meaning but there's definitely this kind of general sense of energy and aggression and needing to get something done mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And, and not really, at least what I got out of it was that he wanted to get something done without really thinking about how or why, or without being judged how or why it's just kind of like this very like raw brute force kind of in and out. I have an objective. I'm going to beeline it to getting that objective completed no yeah. matter what, what else falls apart around me while I'm doing it kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, when you got, two explanations for what a song could sound like or be about. You always got to pick the one that kills the least. It uh, 
that's your yeah. best option. It's it's always the best option, but I mean, at the end of the day, the one that kills least still kills us all. You know what? That's true, but then how much killing would the other option have done? Because <laughs> if it it wouldn't really kill the least if it still kills us all. Because the other one probably would have killed us all also and that would have at least and, been and, the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The the one that kills the least is track number ten though. I know that much. <laughs> I really like the layered guitars on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the drums and the vocals give it a very dark feel without there being a ton of energy until the the verse comes in. Um, it's got another pretty vibey solo on this one that I'm a fan of. Yeah, this was the one that I really, really liked. And I don't know if it was because I was writing the high off the last, last solo also. And I was just like, because in my notes, I was like, and there's a solo on this one. There's so many guitar <laughs> solos on this album. Yeah, and it's 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 a very nice solo. I like it. It's very vibey. It's it's melodic in a way that Slipknot hasn't really been, like we've kind of mentioned. Uh, I really like the, the ending. There's this rising guitar pitch at the end that gives it this kind of sense of like building pressure, feeling like it's like a, a, a pressure cooker mm-hmm. or like a teapot just like boiling out over kind of a deal and it's it's just like picking up speed and picking up all this energy until like the the end of the song kind of a deal i do like the way they build and uh they're just really good at it yeah they're very good at going to where you think the natural build would go to and then they're still able to go past it to go even more intense than you would have thought but uh lyrically this one i mean we kind of explained essentially what the song kind of boils down to, I guess, in our little segue. Yeah, I, I, I think this one was is more like Corey's being introspective about how he's dealing with the grief of losing Paul. Yeah. He doesn't think he's been handling it in a good way and realizing that there are consequences building as he's making these terrible decisions. And he's kind of put himself in a worse position because he was trying to distance himself from everyone and everything. And it's kind of where I think he's going with the one that kills the least still kills us all. Is that like, even, even if you have better intentions and you're not actually doing harm in the moment, those actions and decisions you're making will come back to bite you. And they'll, they're kind of like what you said in the last song, they are things that are just going to be compounding and it's going to be a lot worse for putting it, putting it off or by, by making these things, it's going to make your life a lot worse down the, down the road. Yeah, definitely think long term, especially when you're making big emotional decisions. Even it's it's definitely hard. I know it's hard, but uh, yeah, letting things bottle up or distancing yourself, even like, because I know it's hard to be in the middle of shit. Like they're a band yeah. of they're a band of nine people, so like to go and confront. I mean, I guess eight other people at this point, or seven other people at that point to be like to sit down with all of them that's like gotta be hard to kind of deal with all of those emotions at once but it's like something you gotta do you can't run away or else it's gonna be be a bad time just a generally (laughs) bad time nothing really gets resolved and it kind of just gets put on the back burner and other people are at some points dependent on you to help them get better right and if you're pushing them away that's not helping anyone it's actually harming them yeah so don't do that shit. 
Yeah. Obviously easier said than done, but don't do yeah. that shit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, because <laughs> once, once you're kind of in that feeling, really all bets are off. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just try to be, try to be cognizant. Try to be aware of your emotions in a way that Corey Taylor, I, I think, seems to do pretty well of. And, yeah. like, being aware of what he's feeling and understanding that, like, this is a negative feeling. This is not something that I need to be so negative towards or about kind of a thing and even if you can't change that just being aware of that i think is important because everyone should have that level of self-awareness yeah self-awareness can go way farther than you would ever think it would just a little bit of it yeah unfortunately uh, general custer never uh never seemed to have a whole lot of that yeah fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> The track number 11 is Custer, and I really enjoy this track, if only, I mean, A, it's it's one of those, like, punch-you-in-the-fucking-ear-faces songs, yeah. and I love it, but the, the intro to the song has fucking Sean, where he's, like, pitching pitching a track idea mm-hmm. to, to, I guess, Mick and, and the other guitarists, and he, it's just, like, him in a studio, he goes, do-do-da, 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 da-da. And he goes a bit faster with like he's like lap drumming goes da 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 and then the song fucking kicks in with that riff yep. on the fucking guitars and it's just oh it, it has such immense energy and rage and it's just oh I fucking love it yeah it really like I don't know because General Custer is a super shitty dude <laughs> and they really I don't know like. Because they kind of flip-flop what... So, General Custer was a general in, I believe it was the Civil War. Yeah, I think that's right. Sometimes I just get... Like, there's there, there's so many wars. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a true statement, Joey. <laughs> there's so many wars to remember in, in, in the history of this country that we live in. But uh, General Custer... And, I mean... As far as a general, he was a Confederate general. I'm pretty, pretty, fairly certain. Fairly certain. I have now, no idea. Now I don't I'm, know my history. Now I'm wondering. <laughs> no, he was. I'm pretty sure he was. I don't know. All I know is he was like a shitty dude who like just beat the he shit out of He got a lot of like, his dudes killed. <laughs> yeah, he got a lot of his dudes killed. And I mean, even before that, like he was just not good to a generally not good guy to a lot of like Native Americans and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's that kind of just comes with the territory of being an American in that time period, I guess. Which was no territory, because <laughs> none of it was ours. Yeah, because we didn't have any of it. <laughs> so we took everyone else's. <sighs> oh, happy yeah, Columbus so, Day. Yeah, it's no. Columbus yeah, Day. It's not Columbus Day. <laughs> it's, but General Custer, yeah, like you had said, is he had a quote-unquote good reputation as a an army general and then in his last battle just like got all of his dudes killed just yeah, like because he, he refused help he, yeah he, he was fucking blinded by his own fucking greatness i guess his, his hubris his hubris his ego and just yeah got like all of his dudes killed and it just completely rightfully so destroyed his reputation <laughs> like so it was kind of like a thing of like oh the, the the one mistake destroyed a lifetime of good reputation i guess and they're yeah and literally destroyed several hundreds of other lifetimes yeah, yeah didn't yeah 
I mean, yep, that, yeah. <laughs> People died. <laughs> but they're kind of doing the opposite. They're wanting to do the opposite where they, uh, they don't want other people to be writing their history for them. They want to prove them wrong. They want to be right. able to show that they can overcome something or they can do it their way. Like, fuck what you're going to say. We're going to get through this. Yeah. And you're not going to tell us how our lives are going to go down from this point on. We're going to make our own way type thing. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of channeling that general custard. Fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. Kind of a thing. But avoiding all of the negative connotation of that <laughs> as opposed where he's saying like you can try to hurt me all you want but literally nothing's gonna stop me until i die yeah and there's that's also another sentiment in the song where it, at least to me i got that there's like this whole feeling of well we're all gonna die and the world fucking sucks so while you're trying to waste your time by trying to like stop me or hurt me or bring me down i'm gonna just push through it and achieve everything that i can possibly achieve in spite of you yeah and like you said, this is very punch you in the ear face music. It's good. I it's, love it. Yeah. Like and the energy in it. It's there's, great. There's one line. It's it's one of the first lines in like the <laughs> yes. first, it's strange. Whenever I see a gun, I think about just how petty you are and it blows my fucking mind. Yeah, it blows my fucking mind. Yeah, and the delivery on that is just ah. Yeah. Oh, Corey yeah. Taylor is a, a a great front man. It's very nice. And like this is, I don't know, I went through such a weird period in my life where I, like, listened to this music religiously, and it was awesome, and then I went through a part of my life where I was like, oh, it's so, like, edgy and whatever, yeah. and, but now it I'm, is. Back, yeah, I'm back around where I'm like, yeah, it is edgy, but it's still, like, it just hits you away, and it's like, right. okay, something can be edgy, and you can still enjoy it. Yeah, and, and if you listen to a lot of metal uh, around here, well, you <laughs> You better be prepared for hell, because people around here don't take kindly to that. Yeah, definitely not. People around here don't take kindly to hell. Or, or devils, or death metal music. Yeah, or clowns singing. <laughs> singing and clowns are, are the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Track and number 12. Were you going to say something? I was going to say it's super short, and it's sung by Sean, a.k.a. Clown. Yeah, it's it's... It's a very creepy interlude track. It's got a lot of eerie ambience and like the end of it has like a girl laughing and some like weird guitar noises and other samples on the piano and stuff that kind of lead into the next track. But uh, the lyrics, like it's a short song. It's kind of an interlude thing, but kind of writing off the subject of the prior track, I got that he he's kind of just embracing the fact that he's going to die. Yeah. He's kind of saying, like, look, we're all going to die. There's no avoiding it, so make peace with it. Wake me up when I get to hell, because I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Kind of a thing. This song, I, just as a completely a, a sidebar, and maybe I should bring this up after the next track, but I saw them tour this album, and that was in 2015. This album came out in 2014. Um, but I was so ready for this to be the opener. Like, this oh, is yeah. the perfect track for them to open their live show to. And then go right into the negative one, which is the next track on the album. And it was also their lead single. So I'm like, that just makes sense. It would be perfect if they came out on stage. They, they or before they came out on stage, they had this playing. And then it goes right into the negative one. And they come out on stage playing that song. That makes sense to me. And they didn't fucking do it. And I will never forget that. <laughs> the, the disappointment. I mean, it was a great show. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But it, it just like, there was the perfect opportunity. They were touring this album. Like, eh. it was called the Be Prepared for Hell Tour. 
like it, there was no better scenario in which to play this song as their kind of intro to the the, the stage, and they just they didn't do it. Up, Corey man. Taylor, I'm I'm solely blaming you because you're the front man. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's all blame Corey Taylor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, track number thirteen, the negative one. I'm not going to segue because I already spoiled. That that's yeah. what it is. I can't believe you. <laughs> but it it, it kind of bleeds in from "Be Prepared for Hell" and it carries that ambience with it and some like weird distorted vocals that are kind of muffled under some like weird effects. And then the guitar comes in with the main riff. And then you hear this yeah. heavily distorted fuck <laughs> and just the whole song kind of kicks in and there's a lot of like scratching in the song and in the choruses and stuff. And it's just, ugh, I like it a lot. Yeah. It's definitely got a lot of that non drum percussion. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, yeah, this was the song. I mean, I know it's near the end, but on my first listen through, I was really just like, man, this whole album has just had a lot of great additions I guess who's okay. So I know clown is one of the other percussionists who doesn't the other Sid, Sid, is he the other? Sid's their DJ and turntable guy. Okay. Uh, The other percussionist was, was Chris, Uh, Chris Fane. Finn. I I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Um, but he actually left the band last year. Oh shit! The year before last, I don't know. They're touring. They still tour with nine members. Yeah. Um, but but they have replaced a man that has been, been he's come to be known as Tortilla Man <laughs> because his his face mask just looks like he has a tortilla on his face. <laughs> uh, so he he is their current live percussionist. But I think on this album, Chris was with them, okay. uh, do, doing that stuff. Okay. Well, shit, man. Yeah, I looked up. I was trying to look up their because I know. I didn't know that guy, but I knew the rest of them. And I was trying to look up each member. Apparently, Sean, side note, he makes some sort of alcohol, and it's called number nine, which they're number zero through eight. So number nine is his alcohol. That's interesting. Just, I like that. Which is just a little Man, a lot of, Why is that a thing? Why do so many metal musicians make like a beer or an alcohol or a whiskey kind of a thing? Because I feel like that's the only thing you can make as a metal <laughs> musician without like everybody getting on your fucking case just, about it. I feel like every metal band has like a, a line at least of, yeah. of alcoholic beverage. Well, I mean, like, what are you going to do if you make like skincare products or something <laughs> i guess i just i just i don't know try something other than fucking booze but i mean i, I guess there there is the, the the stereotype that they're leaning into where like sex drugs and rock and roll but also just getting shit faced at a concert and punching someone but if you that they can also it's a smooth business move because then you can exclusively serve your alcohol at your concert but they don't do that they don't do that. I know. Nobody which... does that. I wish that would happen. I would love to go to like a Mastodon concert and they just, <gasps> they only sell, they have like what, three different alcohol yeah. beverages and like they have hot sauce too, I think. Yep, they do. They got all sorts of business ventures going. Everyone should be like Mastodon, not to bring Mastodon back <laughs> to this podcast. But... but everyone should be like Mastodon because <laughs> they're fucking awesome. <laughs> they're fucking great. We need to finish this up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's it's been kind of stormy today, which uh, if if that's what you like, then then great. Because if if rain is what you want, you can just look outside instead of closing your eyes, as suggested in track number fourteen. If rain is what you want, if rain is what you want, and rain is what I want. I love rain, but uh, so do I. 
Yeah. There we go. We're we're rainy boys. Hashtag rainy rain boys. Rain boys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this one this one has some like weird vocal samples that that sound like they're coming from like a speaking spell, mm-hmm. and I can't really make out what they're what they're saying. Uh, I don't know if you had any luck with that. I didn't necessarily no. repeat it and try, but uh, it's a pretty atmospheric track, notably down from the energy of the the prior track. It's kind of this slower, darker, lingering feel, kind of matching the intro track a bit. Uh, it doesn't really sound like a Slipknot song or a quote-unquote Slipknot song like you expect them to be. Yeah. And the fucking bridge in this song, I don't know what it is about their bridges, I just love them so much. It feels like super gritty, and the harmony of his vocals when he the, he comes in, he like he's harmonizing with himself yeah. in different layers, and it's just fucking beautiful. Yeah, the chorus, whenever it first kicks in after like, because it's like, the song's like six and a half minutes long. The first three minutes are like slow, clean vocals. Then the first chorus comes in and he just like lets it out and it just feels so good. And then he goes back afterwards. So it's just like a little bit of like, I don't know, release of tension. Yeah. I mean, I mean, going back to what we were talking about metal lyrics being kind of edgy, like, especially in Slipknot, I feel like that's the case. And like the, the chorus of the song, he says the only thing deeper than my last breath the only thing darker than my last death. Like that is such edgy lyrics, but he sells it so well. Yeah. And it just, it feels good. I love singing like half the songs on this album, even like without thinking about what I'm saying kind of a deal, just because like there's, there are so many lines that he delivers in such a catchy way that it's just fun to imitate. Very fun to imitate. If only I could uh, do that with my voice. (laughs) Yeah. You can pretend just tell yourself that you sound like him. I can't pretend. We need we need to have more rock band nights, except we can't because fucking virus people. Wear your fucking masks. Yeah, wear your masks so I can play rock band. Come <laughs> on, man. Because uh, that's what all this is about, right? Yeah, it's all about us making a rock band and playing the video game rock band. And not about literal, actual people, like, saving their lives yeah. and helping people not die. Fuck that, I don't give a shit about that. I just want to play rock band. I give a shit about that. <laughs> and you know, there's people out there who don't give a shit about that. And that's pretty fucked up. I don't even know. If, we're not going to get into that discussion. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't even know if it's that they, they don't care about people. It's just they don't believe that it's as bad as it is. I think but it's we're both, not, not yeah, going to talk okay. about that. No, no, yeah, we're yeah. not getting political yet on this podcast. <laughs> um, the, the song, If Rain Is What You Want, and we also skipped over the fucking lyrics in the last one. That's, three, <laughs> that's two songs that we've skipped here completely. I'm going to back up. The negative one, just quickly, seemed to me like it was Corey coming to terms with the fact that maybe he's to blame for a lot of his problems, kind of similar to the devil and I, yeah. where he's talking about someone else blaming him. He's kind of realizing that there, there are two sides of him. The one negative of which, one. Yeah. The negative one. And then him or who he yeah. sees as himself. Uh, and he's kind of shaming himself for that kind of a deal. Also potentially about Joey Jordison, not super clear. He, <laughs> he's, this is one of the tracks that he straight up denied that it was about Joey, Joey Jordison. Yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of hard not to draw those kind of conclusions. Yeah, and when when PR and so many contracts or whatever are a right. thing, like, of course, he's going to deny it. Yeah. And then you got, if rain is what you want, that one seemed more, and it's, this is corroborated by him, but it, it seemed more like the expectations that people place on a band as to how they should grieve, or on the band as how they should grieve, kind of a deal where he's saying, like, if rain is all you want, all you have to do is close your eyes, meaning that like if you were expecting to see drama, 
and tears, you're just going to have to imagine it because that's not what you're going to get from them. Yeah. They're going to deal with it how they're going to deal with it. And there's no reason to pressure them into grieving a certain way. And hey, if their way of grieving was to produce this album, then I'd say keep your eyes open and just let them do it. Yeah, for sure, because it fucking worked. I love this album. What do you feel about this album as a whole? I need to listen to Iowa again, but <laughs> this is 100% at least my second favorite Slipknot album now. Okay, okay. So. I, I'm curious to see what you think of going back to Iowa. Because Iowa, to me, I, I've discussed this, is is kind of on the more edgy, cringy side for me. And it's just because I didn't really grow up with that album in the way, but I guess I didn't really grow up with their first album. Their first album is also pretty cringy at points. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Iowa just doesn't click with me as the same, the same way. Yeah, it, it's it's fine. I'll listen Everyone's to it Everyone's music experience is different. You're allowed to have your own thoughts. I'm allowed to have my own. I'm a cringy person anyway, so. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't think you've ever said, well, maybe you used to be. I don't think you, you eh, I don't know. We're not going to accept your <laughs> character here on this podcast. On this episode, we're already uh, pushing our pushing our time limit here. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy this album. If you like the kind of feeling on this album, uh, Corey Taylor also has another band, Stone Sour. They released uh, a double album kind of deal before this album came up, which obviously Stone Sour is not as heavy or aggressive as Slipknot but I think you should check out uh, the House of Golden Bone part, or House of Golden Bones, maybe? I don't, I don't remember if it's plural or not. Uh, volume 1 is my favorite Stone Sour album by them. Um, volume 2 was okay. It, it wasn't as good as Volume 1. So if, if you get the time, I want to check out more similar music around the same time for Corey Taylor. Check out the House of Golden Bones, Volume 1. Um, and if you have thoughts on this album, let us know. We're, we're on all of the the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the social medias and shit like that. So uh, drop us some comments. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, let us know what you think of next week's album, which, which is, which is sunbather by the band death heaven, death heaven, all one word, death heaven, yeah. sunbather death. Like you, you can't hear heaven just for people out there. Cause whenever I say death, sometimes it sounds like death. So it's yeah, death for sure. But, not like I'm sure they could just search it and figure it out, but you know, just I, I think just I actually I think I actually wrote down Death Heaven when when I wrote it down before we started recording. We told because I was distracted. Uh, yeah, I definitely did. <laughs> uh, anyways, Death Heaven, Sunbather. That's what we're talking about next week. Leave us comments. Uh, what you think about that album, or you can just wait and do that next week if you want, because yeah. we're gonna be talking about it. We're gonna be listening to it this week, recording it next week. It's gonna come out the week after that, which is. Next week, if you're listening to this, the day that this comes out, which maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm going to surprise drop this on Halloween. I was, I was thinking about that because Halloween's on Saturday. Maybe I'll just drop the Spooky Album podcast on Halloween, which is two days early. Oh, man. Just to give you guys a special treat because oh, there man. are so many of you that are just chomping at the bit to have more episodes of this show. <laughs> it would, it, Yeah, it would be a special treat for all of you. All... None of you. None of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so check out uh, De- Deaf Heaven. What was the... Sunbather. Sunbather by Deaf Heaven. We're going to be doing that this week. We're going to talk about it next week, hopefully. Uh, and until then, hit us up on our social medias and stay in our feedback. Ooh.